All right, everybody, we are back with another week of Ghost in the Scene, certified ghost-friendly audio sage podcast. I am your host, Gio Chumpatazzi, and I am back with my co-host, Rob Thomas. How's it going, Rob? Well, hello, guys, gals, X's, Y's. It's so nice to be back with you all. Uh, we missed you um, over the break. Um, Gio and I had to do a lot of consulting um, this past week because there's, you know, no one really talks about the amount of death that really happens over the this this holiday in North America, they which is called Thanksgiving. You know, but who's who's giving this thanks and and for what? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's a lot of people are feeling thankful, and that's a good sentiment. But you know, you we also have to recognize the the death that also happens at this time, and you. Know, that there's just that that you know yin and yang aspect of it, you know to mm. be thankful, a lot of times comes at the expense of others. Yes. So we we did a lot of consulting work. There's lots of ghosts. Um, you know it it it's kind of heavy. I mean, how are you how are you holding up, Gio? Well, uh, just to touch on on what you were saying, you know, Thanksgiving is a mass ritual, and mass is also a unit of weight, a unit of measurement, right? And that is also when you weigh the amount of death on Thanksgiving, the mass ritual, you you then start to understand the magnitude of the spell that they're casting. Whatever it is towards, if it is towards being thankful, if it is just a thankful spell with a cost that is high in, in turkey death, that could be one thing, whether it is something completely different and we are just doing a pagan ritual that is masked with, you know, cranberry sauce and some turkey feathers. That's a whole nother can of worms. And I think when you open up some cranberry sauce cans, sometimes it's full of, of worms. So I'm feeling glad that it's over, to be honest. Um, it, it is just such a dangerous time, Thanksgiving one day you could be a turkey on the chopping block that's you know that's what i always say to myself so i'm thank i'm thankful it's over also we're getting into i mean i think this is coming out on the first day of december the second most haunted month of the year you know we say it over and over again you know be aware of october but we are now in you know if we're the red zone is october we're in the high orange zone this is uh, also radioactive territory. We're walking in a winter wonderland. Could be called a winter wasteland. Or nuclear winter wonderland. Wow. Mm. Yes, yes. So, you know, I'm, I'm feeling happy, but also I'm starting to feel Jack Frost nipping at my toes. And that is never a good sign. That's hypothermia. That is gangrene. That is all kinds of stuff. If you watched Mr. Deeds, you would understand you know, losing your foot is, you know, one step, step away in, in cold water. One step in the grave. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. This, this next month hopefully is going to be the end of 2020. We don't know that for sure. It can keep going. Right. December to December point two, December point three, 
and we all know that there are infinity points in between numbers. You know, you could always divide that number in, into two and keep on going for infinity. So we could be in 2020 for as long as we know it, but hopefully not. You know, 2021, I have some some plans. I have some vacation plans. I'm going to get out of this, you know, this cave and I'm going to see the world. And there are some movies that have yet to be made that are going to be in production that I want to see. You know, the Batman movie with Robert Pattinson, he renounced his vampirism for a few years and then just had to go back to become the bat again. Well, that's that's interesting because you know vampires transition between human form and bat form so obviously this is very natural but you're saying that him playing batman he will not be a vampire i don't believe well okay yes he will be a vampire yes he is a vampire i don't think canonically batman is a vampire right. but i think they chose the vampire for the role because he fit the role so well but i i do think that he renounced being a vampire for a few years in between the twilight movies he tried you know to be in the lighthouse black and white everybody knows that the old black and white cameras used to not be able to capture vampires that they were invisible and so nosferatu i mean that they had to do paper mache over the vampire to, to, to actually make you see the vampire. So in this case, I think that he actually is reverting back to his old demon ways, and he is becoming a creature of the night once again. That's very interesting. I mean, yeah, and it makes sense. You know, who would know to play the man of bats better than a vampire? Um, from the production stills, yeah, I would agree. His skin does not have quite the same sparkle. Mm. to it a different strain a different strain and i think it is proof the fact that robert pattinson I, I believe it's confirmed now that he had covid on the set and we know that vampires can't get covid so he definitely had to give up some of that and is paying the the price um so that is some pretty serious method acting mm-hmm. um I think we're going to see a Batman movie with a lot more coughing than usual. Right. And that could be, you know, they might in post add some some laughing gas, some coughing gas from a bad guy to make it seem more natural. But we know just from our insight that it, there's a totally different thing happening behind the scenes. But that's only one movie. That I mean, that's already in pre-production. I know they just finished filming some some scenes with some ghosts in the um, alleyways, but there are movies yet to be even, you know, uh, pre-productioned that I, I think are worth talking about because there is one specific movie that is set to be made that is basically fake. It's going to happen. It's like an asteroid hitting the Earth. You know, one day it's just going to happen, but. We have a specific date, probably within the next two years. I'm talking about the former president, the 44th, President Barack Obama. This, this guy just finished writing a book, and he's on a book tour, meaning he's doing interviews left and right, giving people content that is from behind the scenes, behind the Oval Office, the Resolute Desk, 
his you know point of view and let me tell you he's giving some very hot takes um there's a movie that he wants made a biopic and he already cast his role i think we all know who but um rob i know you're a big fan of of his music so maybe maybe you want to do the honors oh totally yeah i mean obviously we were one of the first to get this scoop you know, you know, Barack has a direct line to Ghost in the Scene. Um, you know, but obviously he's a man of the who knows the press. And, you know, he, he likes to work those, you know, those channels, those traditional channels. Because, you know, I'll just say the traditional channels don't respect us, Gio. And if, if we leak something first, you know they're going to copy us, but they're going to do it in a way that makes it seem like it was their idea. Yeah, no respect. No respect at all. But, you know, we do appreciate the the heads up on information and on the details. And this is 100% true because it came straight from the president's mouth. Um, you know, we're going to see the transformation. We're going to get none other than the Canadian wonder kid. Drake yes. as the American president, Barack Obama. And I, Gio, I'm, I'm a little concerned because we might have a constitutional crisis on our hands. We're going to have a Canadian president as the American president. That's, that's an oxymoron. That's a contradiction. It should not exist. And that's something exactly right. A constitutional crisis and not only that, but this is going to be a revolution for the Canadians because they will now be, have sovereignty over their southern sister. So that's scary for us, for Americans. Also, if you don't remember, long ago, you can look up in our archive, we did a full take on Drake. And I'm rapping because he's a rapper. I'm giving him his, his props. And I'm, I'm showing him that I'm, I'm something of a rapper myself. We did a take on Drake, and we found he was a fake. In fact, he was a Dracula, which is Dracula, but I, I wordsmithed it, right? Like, like most rappers do. And we found that this is a guy who used Degrassi, used the the breeding ground of of canadian television you know sucked as much blood as he could when he was out in in the north and then came down to hollywood came down to new york to feed on americans and fed he did he got powerful and he used all of that energy to now become one of the leading contenders for the president of the united states I mean, not just leading. This is he is tapped mm. to be the successor, chosen, anointed. And how how can a how can a vampire who is unholy be anointed? Now, it took us a long time to to kind of suss this out because when you think about Barack Obama, if you're a reasonable person, you think. He's a president, he's a father, 
He's a you know a activist. He's a human. He's a novelist. He's a he has a Netflix show. He's one of the most revered you know presidents of the past fifty years. I would say since JFK. Just in the in the way his personality is, you know, like a Bill Clinton that never had a, a major, you know, catastrophe, and yet we have to kind of deal with the fact that he is now anointing a vampire as his successor, as him. How is that even possible? You know, when, when Drake is so, and I don't want to say evil, but just so tainted, how can someone do that? And I think we had to look at numerology. We had to look at the numbers and they don't lie. And as much as we want them to tell a story, they tell the truth, and then we have to we have to accept it. So this is going to be for everybody that doesn't believe us, and we had to do this ourselves. I want you to go and type in the numbers. 44. It, it's very significant. That's the number of presidents that he was. He was the 44th president, so 44. Now – Make sure that when that four, it looks like it's a triangle, okay? It's, it's one of those tri triangular fours. Now, once you have that 44, if you don't have a calculator, if you just write it down or just visualize it. Now, flip it upside down. Flip that 44 upside down. Rob, what did you see? Uh, I was spooked. You know, Joe, I, I was speechless. I know all of you number heads, you know, you, you get the math there. And, you know, I would not want to go near those upside down 44s, let alone let them near my neck. Yes. And now you know what we're talking about. We're talking about fangs. Mm. Teeth. Fangs, right there. 44 fangs. It's right there. They use the F as a signifier and those two jagged edges of those triangular fours are the exact distance that it takes to, to drink blood from your neck. That's science. That's the Fibonacci sequence, the vampire sequence, you know, and that's something that Drake has been planning this whole time. And we didn't realize until we did the numbers. And now we know that, Drake has sired Barack Obama. That's spooky. You know, you know, and Gia, we were talking about that before, about Drake siring the former president, Barack Obama. But then, you know, as we were just broadcasting this now, as we were talking it through again, you know, I've, I've had a little bit of a shift, and I'm not entirely sure what we're looking at here. Because if... Barack Obama is 44, right? That means he's been living with these upside-down fangs for all of his life. You know, what if it's not Dracula sattering Barack? What if Barack sired Dracula into the cult of the presidency? Okay, wow. 
Okay, let's see. Drake, in the year 2008, recorded the songs off of his mixtape, So Far Gone, which was his Canadian debut. And yet it had some of the biggest hits, the tracks being Best I Ever Had and Successful. Both of these being on the top 100 hits. So the same year that Barack Obama becomes 44, solidifying himself as 44, Drake has his first big year. There is no coincidence. And I think you're right. And I think if, we're, if, if I want to take it a step further, and we talk about Sire, right? And we forget to mention Sire himself, Jaden Smith. Wow. I know that this movie, this biopic, biopic, I'm not sure you guys can fight me over that later. This movie is going to span time. It's not going to be a static movie. It's going to be one of those, you know, one set piece that's in, in the past, one, one set piece that's in the present, one in the future, maybe one in the, in the distant future. And I think that we're going to see Jaden Smith as a young Barack. And then we could see, of course, Drake as, as, as a middle-aged Barack, as, as the 44, so to speak. I know. And, you know, I think there's just a lot of cross currents going on here, Gio. I don't, it almost seems like you can't have one, you can't have Barack uh, without Drake, without Jaden Smith. Mm -mm. You know, this is, you know, an interconnected sort of, uh, I'm just too, too amazed by, by our own research on this one. To, to come up with the right words for it right now. But like a, like a three-way. It is. Yeah. It's like it's like a three-way. Like a like um like a triangle of not I don't want to say sex, but they're all intertwined. They you know, they're all stuffed in, in, in each other. One one hand is in inside of the other, inside of the other, and, and it's like a snake eating itself. But it's a vampire orgy and that's only the main character of barack obama that we're talking about this biopic is going to span many people many actors many eras and i i think we we owe it to our fans to give you a little sample of what we think the movie is going to look like because this is going to be the movie of the century this is why 2020 has to end so that the future can start and this movie can go into production. Um, let's start with Michelle. It's going to be his love, his main love interest. And this one has to be perfect. And we were just, you know, neck and neck fighting each other over who should really, you know, truly be Michelle. I think it's a uh, it's got to be Whoopi. I'm throwing in Whoopi. Whoopi's a strong contender too, and you know, listeners, remember, this is time non-specific. Yes. Like this movie is going to transcend time itself. 
I think it's the only reason why we get out of 2020 because this movie exists outside of time, right? It, it's and, like a wrinkle in time. So for that, I'm including also Oprah. So we have Whoopi and Oprah. In a, uh, a wrinkle in time. So exactly, she she gets it. So both of them are going to be future Michelle, and we're going to age up Whoopi, and I think she's going to be hundred year old Michelle, and then we're going to have Oprah be about seventy something year old Michelle, and then of course um, for a younger Michelle, we have a few contenders, and. I think Rob, you were saying possibly a Kerry Washington was was one of your choices. Yes, I mean, I think you know if you think about it, Kerry Washington knows Washington. You know, in the show Scandal, she's been in the White House. She knows all the corners. She knows how to be intimate with the president, mm. and you know, she knows how to how to walk in those shoes the secret entrances to the white house all of those you know hidden doorways she's well aware she has left her mark you know exactly where it is and not only that her last name is washington being of you know presidential descent possibly so she already has that in her portfolio so that's exciting carrie washington could be Definitely a good Michelle Obama. But we also have other people that were in the cabinet that we have to fill in. I, I, let's actually let – me, let me throw in one more Michelle Obama because we need rappers as Drake is going to want his posse to be, to be brought in. So I want to add Megan Thee Stallion, and I also want to add – Maybe like a like a Rico Nasty. Both of them could easily play a, like a, a young to mid middle aged Michelle with no problem at all. So I'm just throwing them in there, just just for the sake of and maybe like a young Doja Cat for her in college. Okay, so so that's my Michelles. Yeah, and you know I think it's very possible that we could see multiple Michelles in this film. I mean, she is a, a powerful enough figure that. It can't be encompassed by a single actor. So, yeah, I think it's a good call. Like, expect to see at least two or three, right, of and, any of these actors playing the roles of Michelle. And and that's why you can expect probably like a Morgan Freeman as an old old Barack, or or something along those lines. Maybe like even like a like if if they aged up like a Chris Rock, or like a Chris Tucker, that could be also Barack. Even though they look the same, they're actors. They could act any age. We, we all know that. So, of course, Joe Biden is going to be in this movie. Joe Biden is going to play probably a central figure since he will be the sitting president at the time. So who's it going to be? Right. I mean, I, I, and this is important, too, because for this movie to, to be released, Joe Biden will have to sign an executive order. You know, you know, stamping his approval, especially yes. since he's in it. You know, this is a matter of national security, as well of who plays who. State secrets, because they will. The actors that portray these roles, they do them so well 
that the tells, the poker faces that they will make in the movie are going to be so realistic that other spies will watch the movie and be able to tell what Joe Biden's tell is. They were able to see just how terrible his poker face is. And that's something that he has to sign off on because he needs a facial coach to redesign his tells. And that is, of course, you know, lots of work. This government bureaucracy, it doesn't happen overnight. So, yes, of course, this has to happen under the strict guidelines of the U.S. government and, and their confidentiality. I mean, not just that, but these actors do get security clearances because also to have the emotional depth, they need to know all of our nation's secrets mm. to properly play these roles. Exactly. So for Joe Biden, we need an actor who has the tenacity who has the smile, the happiness, but also the deep well of sadness. Now, if Robin Williams were alive, mm. he would have this in a second. And I know that his ghost is definitely going to consult on this movie. Absolutely. But we need somebody in the flesh, sadly. And I hate to discriminate against ghosts. We are a non-discriminatory ghost, but we're, we're planning for a movie in the future with human actors. Um, and, I, and I'm sorry for that. That's, that's not up to us. Barack chose that. So who's going to be Joe? Let's, let, let's just throw, throw some, you know, some shots out there. Definitely, I'm thinking Matthew McConaughey. He's, I mean, his smile looks like Joe's smile. He's running for governor, which means he has a political mind. And he's so spiritual. He has that well of spirituality that you could then translate into emotion. I think Matthew McConaughey is 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 almost a, a perfect cast, and I think that might be one of the bad things about him. He might be too perfect. And that's true. I mean, which is why I feel like a, a dark horse, um, or you know, like a wild card, I should say. Um, and it's really purely just by name recognition, right? Joe Budden could be Joe Biden. I mean, it's exactly it's right there. It's just so a close. letter away. And I'm sure he's gotten enough emails and letters for Joe Biden that he already is starting to think like him. Because you know, if you get to, if you get you know the supermarket um, specials from Joe Biden at your address, you start to kind of get. Okay, he's eating these peaches. He's eating these these Hass avocados, right? And so then you you get a feeling of who they are as a person at a deeper level that most I would say it, it takes probably the fourth week of method acting to really even get into the supermarket special, even part of method acting for most actors. So Joe Budden definitely has an advantage in, in that aspect. And also he is a rapper and he actually has an adversarial role in the rap world with Drake. They're not really close. And I think that dynamic between Drake and Joe Budden is going to be perfect because you can't have them everybody be simpatico. You need a contrary voice in the room to, you know, to level and to center what Barack and what Drake is going to be doing. I mean, exactly. And, you know, they, they have that chemistry 
um, Drake and Joe Budden of, of knowing each other in the game very much in the same way that Barack and Joe Biden knew each other in the political game. So it's a, it's a movie as well. It is Hollywood. Mm. And as you said, Gio, uh, Barack, you know, tapped Drake to say, this man can do whatever he wants. Mm. Right. So, and as Drake is also sired into the presidency, he might be able to override President Joe Biden's veto power, right? Wow. Yeah. I don't think we've ever seen this before. And this is what I'm talking about, constitutional crisis. Like, what if a, two presidents sign the same order, but it's in conflict? Mm-hmm. So One this, is, this is the, the kind of stuff that I'm, I'm worried about, Gio. Yeah, it is, it is grim. To, to say the least, what we're looking at as far as the the constitutionality of, of all of this. And I will say that, yeah, as, as you said, he can do everything he wants, anything he wants, which means that he can cast and fill roles on the strike of a pen. And so we're looking at half of the roles that we're even trying to cast. They're already filled in by people that he chose, people that he handpicked. So for Hillary Clinton, he already chose Millie Bobby Brown. She's de facto in the movie. I don't know, you know, I don't know what he he offered money, fame, a vampire contract. And I think that's what's, you know, at the end of the end of the movie, I think most of these people are going to become vampires, sadly. So this is something that we have to be wary of. But also I'm excited just to see where they do it, where they take, you know. This this whole story, the future, the present, the past, um, it's it's it, honestly it's endless. It is. I think it's going to be a major shift in our national politics. Like you said, they're all going to be vampires at the end of this film, but also, like we said, like the Ouroboros that's eating its own tail, mm. they're all going to be politicians at the end of this movie too. Whoa, yeah. Exactly. Oh my God. So, Senator Millie Bobby Brown, anyone? Right. You know? I, McConaughey is running for governor of Texas. That's right. So, you know, um, a President Washington again, Kerry Washington this time. It's possible. I mean, this is exactly what we're looking at. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Because we've already had one vampire president and it went okay. It didn't go great, but it went okay. And we can expect probably the same from another vampire president. So positive thing to look forward to, the production of that movie, the Batman, tons of things. And But right now, we got movies that are coming out this week, which I think none of us really even think about. These are the ghosts that are currently living with us today. The box office is a haunted house. And there seems to be some activity pumping through every now and then. And this week was a new release. Success, you know, you know, finally some life. Yeah, I mean, this is, the box, the box office has been basically dead this whole year. You know, what, when we say box office, you know, what box are we talking about? It's a coffin. Wow. The box office has always been... A coffin. Mm, very true. But this year, 
especially so what's been buried inside this coffin has been the movie industry itself. You know, they made their bed and now they're lying in it. But it's showing some, some signs of life. Um, they are opening up the theaters. They, they figured out how to take, you know, money, how to monetize um, ghost attendance. It took them a good while. You know, Christopher Nolan first rolled it out with his own tenant when they first, you know, accepted some, some ghost patrons. And it's starting to catch a little steam here. Uh, because over this, this Thanksgiving weekend, we have a new champion in the, the live, quote-unquote, movie theater world. We're talking about everyone's favorite family, America's family, the Croods. The Croods. The caveman movie. But it's not the Flintstones. Cave person, yes. Cave right, X. of course. The cave X-Men. No. R no. The cave people. Cave family. But there's there's a there's a there's there's no Flintstone tie-in. This is a completely different IP. Right? Or, yeah, I mean there's no mention of the Flintstones as well. So it makes what? me a little nervous. Makes what happened? Scared. Did they did they kill the Flintstones? The Cruz versus the Flintstones. There has to be a movie out there that is either, you know, blacklisted. They didn't they refuse to release it. It's too violent. You know, it, maybe it's rated NC-17, triple X or something. But, I mean, that's something immediately I think of the Croods. What happened to the Flintstones? And what's happening is the Croods are overshadowing them. The Croods are now becoming the new Flintstones. Goodbye, Wilma. Hello, insert crude name. Uh, insert Eep. Goodbye, Barney. Hello, Grug. <laughs> These names. Uh, <laughs> goodbye, uh, Bam Bam. Hello, Guy. That's actually pretty, that's close. So, okay. Now that I guess the Flintstones are extinct, rest in peace, another ghost family bites the dust, we have the Crudes, and they're on top. Apparently, evolution is going backwards, and I think they learned something from Tenet because that's what that whole movie is about. So the Croods are reliving their glory from seven years ago. That's the last time they made the Croods one. So it has to be some kind of spell. I mean, let's be honest here. You don't wait seven years after you strike hot iron with a movie like the Croods and then wait. You, you you do that immediately. So why didn't they pull the trigger? Well, I think part of the issue has to do is this is before the Iron Age, right? There's no iron to strike. So they're, they're, they're oh working with God. flint and obsidian. So it's like you got to strike the obsidian when it's soft. While it and sparks, And it, yeah. it takes a while, you know? It takes a while to, to construct these tools. But they're diligent. They were still going to pull this off. You know, they're working with some serious magic here. This is starring, this is an all-star cast, Geo. They have some serious spellcasters here. Not just that, they made sure that this 
new Croods movie, The Croods and New Age, is the 100th acting credit, acting credit for none other than Nicolas Cage. Wow, a new age for Nicolas Cage. A new cage, really, is. is oh my it. God. And I mean, let's you just. You don't see, you know, you don't see that little C that they, they have thrown there in the poster. If you look closely, you'll see it's actually the Rudes. They misplaced the C, right? The Rudes, a new cage. And they would be rude for killing the Flintstones. They're very rude for that, indeed. So the crew, the Rudes, and when, just before you, before they, you know, when you look at the poster with your normal eyes, with, without having learned the actual truth, it says the new age, right? Which does, in fact, coincide with new age philosophies being, you know, the idea of energy transfer. I mean, it's stuff that we talk about. It's basically your ABCs of Ghost in the Scene is new age stuff. So you don't have to really research that. Basically, we're giving you the newer age of new age. But this just goes to show that what they're trying to introduce into these movies is some spiritualism, is, you know, the ethereal and the spiritual and the paranormal. And that's, of course, a ghost in the scene. We, we own that corner. And so, of course, we have everybody imitating us, like always. But Academy Award winners will do that, right? They are gifted at finding the most talented artists out there, and they will mimic them. So that just happens that, you know, we're just on top, like the Croods, and we have been for since we started. So they beat everybody, the Croods, including somebody who is truly one of the best actors in the history of the world, a Mr. Robert De Niro. And you got to ask either, you know, what is it about the Roods or what is it about De Niro? What's going wrong? What's happening with Robert De Niro? His movie was called The War with Grandpa. So it's a war movie, probably the beaches of Normandy, something like that. Um, I don't know if Spielberg directed this one or not, but it's it, it just didn't make it. It's number three. It, it didn't even hit number one. It, I don't want to say it flopped, but you can't you can't say that it got gold either, right, Rob? Um, no, I mean, especially in these times. When we're talking about number number three in this instance, you know, they they made less than a million dollars, less than a three quarters of a million. You know, Oof. you know that's that they lost money on this film, right? They, and they bit a bullet right here. Robert De Niro used to bite bullets for breakfast. Okay, he used to put butts in seats including ghost butts, including vampire butts, Bigfoot butts. The only time you'd see Bigfoot is when he was walking outside, of, you know, out of a casino showing. movie, The movie Casino, not a casino from Las Vegas. So Rob, what happened to Robert? And I think I know what happened. I, I teased it for Rob, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell it now. Here's what I think happened 
to De Niro as, as an actor, as a person. Everybody knows that a few years ago, he became very anti-Trump, very vocal against the presidency. He said he was a mother effer, right? I think he called him a motherfucker. I'm pretty sure. He called him all kinds of stuff, right? He called him a dog. He called him a mutt. He called him all kinds of stuff. Now, we know that Donald Bush at some point came over from the other dimension into our dimension and switched the Donalds. We know that. And we also know that the possibility of there being other switches is still up in the air. We haven't checked every person to see if they're not their doppelganger, right? We don't have the manpower or the ghost power. What I am saying is that Donald Bush switched Robert De Niro from this dimension to another dimension, bringing a Robert De Niro that makes worse movies. A Robert De Bush. Yes, a Robert De Bush. And now we have a Robert De Bush who couldn't act his way out of a paper bag. And he, in his universe, he is truly, you know, a no nothing, a no name. Robert De Bush, you know, he was typecast in the in the seventies as a tough guy and never made it out, and he never worked again. And he's now making movies called The War with Grandpa under the prestigious name Robert De Niro when he knows what his real name is. And the, Donald Bush knows exactly what he did. He's punishing Robert De Niro. He's in the other universe right now giving us Macbeth, giving them, mm. I mean, just the acting roles of, of any lifetime. And yet crickets over there because no one respects his name. No one respects De Bush. Uh, it, it's sickening. It, we gotta we gotta get a GoFundMe going to get Robert back, because we need De Niro in this world to be making prestige cinema. And I think you know that's a an uns, unsaid thing about 2020. It's a tragedy. Bring back De Niro. Yeah, bring him back. So Nick Cage. Oscar award winning, Emma Stone, Oscar award winning, Ryan Reynolds. He probably won a lot of stuff in Canada where he's from as well. So this movie, The Croods, is set to be probably number one for eternity. Or so Americans would think. Because we're very American centric. We don't. It's we the don't reason think why about they all right. It's the reason why America's cinema looks to us, and you know, we're such in the know. That's why they keep on copying our ideas, because that's where most of our reach is. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, the most airplay we get is in America, and nothing surprises us in America. Anymore. Right, um, and sadly, Americans, we seem to forget that we're not alone. Just like aliens, you know. Uh, we're not alone in the universe. We're not alone on this earth. Um, in America, there are other countries. I just uh, I included Canada. But there is a whole country that has another box office that is right now doing some heavy numbers. And it actually involved one of the most um, sad tragedies that has happened in the last 100 years. 
And we're talking about the country of Japan and their box office. And the tragedy is the Titanic. The Titanic. The Titanic made news yet again. This it always, time it sank off the coast of Japan. It's always doing that, you know? You can always trust the Titanic to sink. Um, but every time it hurts. And, and this time, it happened in 2020. So you can say, where were you when the Titanic sunk? You'd say, I was, I was at home listening, listening to, to Ghost, Ghost in the Scene. Yeah. Exactly. So what happened? Well, this tragedy, as we said, is a box office tragedy. Titanic was the number two film in domestic Japan box office ever. And this past week, it was sunk again, torpedoed by a new champion. Or, you know, uh, at least second place. But, you know, it's still going on. Still be, could be going strong, despite everything that is happening this year. That's what's really what we have to look at, at the power of this film. And, Gio, you know, we're talking about people mimicking us. There's still movies out there that are looking for the future. Right. You know, something that wasn't necessarily on our radar yet. But when we see it, we say, yes, this is the future of film. It's like how two people invented calculus at the same time, like Isaac Newton and I'm sorry to forget the other guy, but that other guy, they invented two styles of calculus. It's the exact same thing. They just had different notation for it and they didn't talk to each other. And that's how it feels with us in Japan a lot of the time. It's like we're both doing research. We have our noses just buried in books and tomes. And then we have, we have a chance to look across and see what they're doing. It's like, it's like connecting the dots. You just start to really connect the dots. You're like, oh my gosh, you know, I was looking in the right book. They were looking in the left book. And when you put it together, it's one whole picture. And so, you know, we got to thank the, you know, our, our Japanese fans out there. Thank you, everybody. And also thank you for the research, for being in the scene and for making this movie such a big hit because without that, it wouldn't have got our attention and we would not have the insight that it gave us. So Thank you, because this movie is called Demon Slayer. Oof. Demon Slayer. I mean, it's exactly what all of us want to be. It's what Rob and I are. And we, you know, we've we've had our scrap our scrapes. And there's also it's called the Mugen Train. There's there's a lot of um, words in between those Demon Slayer and Mugen Train. But for, for, for the sake of this podcast, they call it the Mugen Train, Demon Slayer, the Mugen Train. And we looked up, what is, what is Mugen Train? You know, it, it's a Japanese word. Um, we're not Japanese. You know, so we did some investigations. We did some research. And in fact, we found something. That as soon as we found the definition, the translation, our jaws dropped. Because... This is a movie called Demon Slayer Infinity Train. Think about that. We've been talking about for a year or more about the secret reverse underground railroad. And yet here we're talking about an infinity train. 
a train that goes in all directions at all times. What does that mean? It means a lot for Robert De Niro. That's I can say that. I think what this is saying, what these people, these a animators and the storytellers in this movie Demon Slayer, I think they are trying to tell us in Ghost in the Scene that there is an infinite amount of underground railroads. Reverse, not reverse, uh, counterclockwise, clockwise, upside down, right side up. I mean, every direction. It's an infinite amount of directions of trains, which means an infinite amount of railroads. Right. I mean, we grew up just knowing the four. You know, was it like the B&O, uh, the other ones? I Park mean, Palace it's just, or right. Something. Yeah, it's just too much to, even that's just too much to count and remember. But there's no point in counting these because they're infinite and they go to extra dimensional trains, you'd have to assume. You know, in, in Japan too, this is a bullet train. This isn't, you know, your, 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 your grandfather's, you know, coal choo-choo train. Right. And even, even if Robert De Niro used to chew bullets for breakfast and used to bite bullets for breakfast, this is a, a, a train that's going an infinite amount of times, which means that it's constantly at the station, constantly leaving the station. So how many bullets is that? He's, he's going to get full pretty quickly if he bites that many bullets. So not even our good Robert De Niro can handle the infinite amount of trains we're talking about. It just means that Everything that we've been studying has been a corner of a web, and that corner needs to be pulled back and seen for what it is. It is intricate. It is deep. It is complex. I mean, it is bigger than we ever even imagined because it's infinite, and in order to get the full picture, I think we're going to need to start talking to some infinite beings. Whether it be demons, whether it be angels, whether it be deities, I mean, I think we're going to have to start widening our net because it seems like we're going infinite, and it's not a bad feeling. Uh, totally, and I think, too, just like the, the trappings of this year, of it's been the same day the entire year. The only way out is with the help of an infinite being. Yes. And we, we were saying before, you know, we, we think, you know, Brock's trying his, his darndest and Drake and Jaden, you know, they're trying their hardest with the methods that they have available to us, to them. Right. Excuse me. But we need something more, right? Because they're also just kind of replaying the same story that we've just been talking about over and over again. We need to transcend that. Mm. And we need to start getting on some on some more trains. You know, it's not official. This is this is not the top film in Japan's history yet, but it's going at a faster pace than the number one. And the number one, Spirited Away. Wow, just a precursor. Yeah. So obviously, it's it's right there, um, and it's going to come to our shores. You you better believe it. Well, you can expect that, and you can expect that when it does, we will be ready with the information and with the decoder rings 
for you because there will be some secret information getting passed along in that movie that you need to know. So look forward to that. I, I look forward to, you know, I sal salute, salute to my Japanese comrades. Thank you so much for finding all of this out and for just opening up our eyes because I think, you know, you get so concentrated on the work, you forget to step back and kind of look at the beauty of it all. And I see it now. And I, I got to say, 2021, if it comes, and that's still an if, um, is looking pretty bright. So um, stay in the scene, everybody. Please stay in the scene. Keep your eyes on the screen. Uh, you know, this, like we're saying, this is an international movement. And it isn't, we, we don't exist in a vacuum here. So we need your help as well. So, so call things out as you see them, tag us, follow us, you know, ghost in the scene um, on TikTok, follow right. us on Twitter, uh, Instagram handles at ghost in the meme with underscores. That's so right. stay in the scene, everyone. That's right. We're still trying to get Rob to 1000 followers on TikTok to go live. That's at Rob Thomas here. Follow my TikTok. We need to get that verification. They're still counting the votes, and we need to make sure that all legal votes are counted. So once again, we love you. Take care. We will see you next week. Bye-bye.